That's just one example of the cool things God is doing with our youth through our students. Um, If you don't know me, I am Peter, and I am the middle school youth pastor here. If you were here to hear Brian, I'm sorry to disappoint. Um, But we are walking through the Advent word of love um, today. So a little bit about me. I am the middle school youth pastor here, which means... I need a lot of, you're gonna, I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions. I need some actual answers. I might ask for like some people to come up and get on stage. I, I'm used to talking to middle schoolers, so I have to keep them awake somehow. Um, but I think some of you, I've, seen, I've been in here before. Some of you guys may need that a little bit too. Yeah, just a little bit of helping you stay awake, helping you stay motivated to keep listening to me. Um, we're going to be covering three different languages today and all kinds of stuff. I'm a little bit of a nerd, so I'm sorry if that bores you. Um, we're going to dive into some deep stuff today. But we're super excited, and I'm super excited you're here. Thank you for choosing grace to come and worship today. Come and listen to scripture today. Um, and I'm glad that Emma's on the live stream, or someone's on the live stream, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be challenging. I'm going to... Um, so, when Brian asked me to preach today, I thought, man, the last Advent, that's a big deal. Love. It's like one of the most used words. He must think I'm really important. He must think I'm a big deal. Uh, I'm not. Please get that out of your mind. Um, you will be sorely disappointed if that's how you are um, looking at this Sunday. Um, but we are going to dive into love today. Um, it's so multi- multifaceted, and, and one of the most used words, like I said, in the Bible is love. It's possibly, I think it's the second most common um, command that God gives is to love. Love your neighbor, um, love your friend, love God, those types of things. Um, We have paired this word or concept or action with the popular Christmas song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which at first glance people are like, I don't really see how that talks about love. There's all kinds of Christmas songs about love. Why'd you pick O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? And we're going to get there, I promise. Um, So, if you would, flip with me in your Bibles to Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. That's where we're going to get started today. So, Matthew 1, 18 through 25. And we're going to dive into the Christmas story kind of from Joseph's perspective. Um, If you don't have a Bible, just slip your hand up. We've got some people that would be love to hand out some Bibles to you. If you don't have a Bible at home, please feel free to take it home with you. Let that be our gift to you. All right, if you are in Matthew 1, 18 through 25, say, got it. All right, that sounded like everybody, right? Um, so let's, let's dive in. Matthew 1, verse 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So we're talking about the word of love today. So love is very multifaceted. We can overcomplicate it at times. And so let's take a deeper look at what love truly means. I want to 
dive into that. In the Christian world, if you've been in it a while, you know that in the original Greek, there are actually four different forms of love. Okay, We don't have direct translations of those four different forms. We translate almost all of them directly to just love. So if you've been in the Christian world, you've probably heard that before. If you haven't, I think it's super important to understand and know. So the first form in the Greek is eros. Everybody say eros. Eros is a romantic love. Um, it can possibly even be used as a sexual love. Um, it's used many times in Song of Solomon, if that gives you any clues to what eros is used for. Um, this is the love that drives a husband to buy a $50,000 car without telling their wife and giving it to them on Christmas Day. Yeah, am I the only one who thinks that's ridiculous? Let's dive into debt and let me not tell my partner and then surprise her on that day. That's this kind of love, eros. The second type of love is storge. Everybody say storge. storge. This is a familial love. This is the love that you have for your family. My parents are here today. That is the love that I feel towards them. Storge. Um, this you can see in Christmas ads. You know when like the perfect family is sitting down at the table and no one's having like a political argument. No one's arguing. There aren't any kids refusing to eat. You know that super realistic Christmas dinner that you get with your family. That's storge. Okay, so that's what we see, and that's what we know as humans, as storge, is this familial love. Um, for philia, that is the next one. Everybody say philia. This is commonly known as brotherly love, but it's more accurately like a friendship type of love. This is like a David and Jonathan, if you know anything about their relationship, the love that they have for each other in the Bible. Okay, this is um, a love that spans beyond just family, spans beyond just love or feeling. This is, this is a brotherly love. This is something that um, we love. It's where the term Philadelphia, the city, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, it's from this, believe it or not. Um, and so this is like, let's say, I don't know if you've seen the Budweiser commercials. I know I'm in church talking about Budweiser. Um, if you've seen the Budweiser commercials where the, the dog befriends the large horse, there's, like, no real connection. There's no reason why. I think the dog, like, trains the horse for some marathon or something ridiculous. But that commercial, that is what we're talking about when we talk about philea or philia, okay? It is that brotherly love, that bond that they have that doesn't seem to make sense, but for some reason there's a connection there. And then the last form of love that we talk about um, when we see Greek is agape. Everybody say agape. agape. This is unconditional love. Um, this is reserved usually for the love that God has for us. Um, that's where we see it used most in the New Testament, which is originally written in Greek. Um, it is the love that led Jesus to the cross to die for our sins. That is the agape love. Um, this is like in real life when you buy your wife a $50,000 car and go into debt and she still loves you. That's, that's <laughs> unconditional love. All right? That is, that is agape love. There is no response, there's nothing that warrants love, but you still receive it. You are still given it. Like I said, this is what leads Jesus to the cross. So we have all of these different forms and ways to humanly try to understand love. I just explained to you four different types. We even have the love languages that we talk about. If you've never heard about those, that's uh, gifts, quality time, touch, words of affirmation, acts of service. That's how you give and receive love. We have all of these human understanding ways to try to understand love. Um, it's kind of like all of these pieces of a pizza. Um, 
but they're not quite accurate, right? Um, like I said, pizza. I, I could say I love pizza. I also love my wife, Addie. It's not the same love. If it is, someone needs to go to counseling. I don't know if it's me or Addie or maybe the pizza that needs to go to counseling, but it's not the same love. It's completely different. So, keeping that in mind, let's take that understanding back into Matthew 1. Matthew 1, 18 through 25, we see Joseph here in turmoil. It doesn't read that way specifically. You don't see that he's frustrated or confused in the way that we read this. But he is. Um, Especially if you read this within its historical context. Joseph is in a huge pickle here. The Jewish people are a people of tradition, of honor. Honor and shame culture. The honor that he gave Mary to say, I want to marry you has been completely disregarded by her becoming pregnant. By he thinks either another man, or society thinks by him. That they slept together before their wedding night. Either way, Joseph is in now the shame side of their honor and shame culture. Okay? So when we look at this, what we can see is Joseph, who loves this woman, Eros love, is betrothed to marry her and trying to walk into storge love with her, by binding their two families together. But now, before their marriage, finds out that the woman he Eros loves is pregnant, and he knows he isn't the father, but because he Philia loves her as a friend and cares about her reputation, he isn't going to say anything, or she'll be labeled a harlot. But he can't say it's his baby and lie, plus then that implicates him as someone who sleeps with his bride before marriage. And so he's trying to find a way to agape love her when he feels injured and unsure of what is happening and divorce her quietly so not to draw attention to him and maybe they can find her pregnant, hide her pregnancy and then he doesn't have to worry about it. Like what is this, Jerry Springer? This is ri- crazy, ridiculous. When we look at it in this context, we have this, this want and this need to make the Christmas story this beautiful wrapped up bow just like the Christmas presents we unwrap. But it is a story full of turmoil. It is a story full of pain. Okay? And what we see is out of that, God can create beautiful things. We have this picture of a perfect birth. I don't know how many of you guys have given birth in this room, but imagine doing it in a barn with no anesthetic, no doctor, and a bunch of farm animals laying around. Promise it was not that peaceful of a night. It brings peace to our souls because Jesus is here, but in actuality, it is not that peaceful of a night. But that's always been our problem, right? Our imperfect and, frankly, incorrect interpretation of things that God gives us. That is exactly where idolatry comes from, too much of a good thing. God gives us all things, and we take them and twist them and turn them into something that they were never meant to be. Our understanding of love is a wrong one. That would be my first point of the day. There's not a slide for this. I saw Todd panic a little bit in the back. Um, So what do we do when our human mind is, is too caught up and stuck in a wrong interpretation We go to scripture and use God as our example. It's the only thing we can do. And what we find is very interesting. Even the original Greek of the New Testament doesn't do justice to what God's love looks like. Like I said, there's four different forms of Greek ways to love. 
Um, in Hebrew, from the very beginning, there's only one word that they use to describe it. The original Hebrew word is hesed. Everybody say hesed. Say it louder. Hesed. Perfect. So hesed is used in the Bible 247 times. It is most commonly translated to loving kindness or, or kindness or something along those lines in terms of what God has to say about us. If you look up hesed maybe, uh, let's say, 80 times, you'd probably get at least 75 different definitions of hesed. No scholar can really determine the exact definition of that Hebrew word hesed. It doesn't even translate into our human diction. My favorite definition is a term representing all the positive attributes of God, love, covenant faithfulness, mercy, grace, kindness, loyalty, that are given totally undeserved to all who follow him. It is covenantal. It is a life-altering, penalty-of-death kind of love. A marriage kind of love. It is why God so often refers to marriage as a sim simile for his love for us. It's a binding and forever love. Amen. God has this love for us. And today we're looking at this passage in Matthew as the completion of his love, the fullness of him stepping into the flesh. God loved us all along. He loved us from the very beginning. That has said love, like I said, is used all throughout the Old Testament. Okay? So God has been there loving us this whole time. It's our understanding that is wrong. And I'm going to give you some examples. I need some volunteers. If you'll pop your, your uh, hand up. Everyone's like, I want to know what I'm volunteering for. Um, Julie, thank you. Okay? Um, if you will look up Genesis 32, 22 through 32 for me. Genesis 32, 22 through 32. Um, I need another volunteer. All right. Uh, let's do Daniel 3, 19 through 26, if you don't mind. Daniel 3, 19 through 26. I need one more. Anyone, anyone. Perfect. Okay. We're going to do Genesis 16, 7 through 14. Genesis 16, 7 through 14. So these are all going to be instances of how we've seen God love us throughout all of the Old Testament. Okay, Julie, do you, are you there? Could you read that as loud as you can for us? You don't have to. his hip. Then he said to Jacob, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. What is your name? The man asked. Jacob, he replied. Your name will no longer be Jacob, he said. It will be Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, please tell me your name. But he answered, why do you ask my name? And he blessed him there. Jacob then named the place Peniel, for I have seen, God's fa I've seen God face to face, he said. 
and I have been delivered. The sun shone on him, and he passed by Penuel, limping because of his hip. That is why, to this day, the Israelites don't eat the thigh muscle at the hip socket, because he struck Jacob's hip socket at the thigh muscle. Perfect. <clears throat> so there is an instance. I know it sounds ridiculous, because God, Jacob wrestles with God all night. But if you've ever grown up with brothers or raised boys, that sounds like brotherly love to me. They wrestle all night, and then at the end, God says, you know what? You win. I will bless you in this place. I will bless you right here and right now. All right, so our next one was Daniel 3, 19 through 26. Are you there, Andrew? Perfect. If you'll just read that out as loud as you can for us. Perfect. That story's about Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That's their original Hebrew names. Going into a furnace, and God appears with them in the flesh. God walks into that furnace with them to protect them and, and be over them. It's almost like a parent. This is where I would see storge love, that familial love, that parental love of my children are about to go into this furnace, and I will, I will cover them. I will protect them with everything that I am. The last one, Genesis 16, 7 through 14.
perfect. So that's God with agape love, promising something and getting nothing in return. Even with the promise of Israel, even with the promise of Jacob, from that line will be Jesus, who he will use to completely end all of our suffering, who he will use in the long run, so there will be something gotten out of it, but this is about Ishmael. God gets nothing from this. It is truly a show of love. These are all instances of God's love, but not God's love in its fullness. All of these are instances of what we call Christophanies. Everybody say Christophany. 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 Perfect. Christophanies are pre-incarnate versions of Jesus. I'm not going to go down this rabbit trail. If you want to know more about Christophanies, I'll talk to you for three hours about it. I love it. It is so interesting to me. But what I'm trying to get at is these are all pre-incarnate versions of Jesus. This is God in the flesh. In each of these instances, a person came and spoke audibly. You could see them. They were with these people in the furnace. They were wrestled with. They had a physical being that could be pinned down or wrestle on top of. God personified will always be Christ. And that's where we get these terms, Christophanies. But they were not enough. Christophanies were not complete. The presence of God was still locked behind a curtain, not because it was contained by the curtain, but out of his goodness, God did not want to be in presence with us because we would die. God's presence was equated with death. If you think about the old temple, we had a curtain right here that you had to cleanse yourself of all sin before you could even walk into the presence of God. So when you heard that word, presence of God, it almost struck fear into you. They carried it in a a giant golden thing that if you touched, you died because God lived in it. So said love, this contractual covenantal love that we talk about, we see it, little bits and pieces, but it is not until a week from now when Christmas hits that we get to see it in its fullness and its completion. And, and to better show you what I mean by this, I'm going to need two more volunteers. I know you guys are like, did I come to a sermon or a magic show? I don't understand. Um, you guys, come on. Come on, Matthew and Emily. Come on up. I need both of you. Perfect. Yes, on stage, your greatest fear, I know. All right. This is Matthew and Emily. Emily, right? Emma. Matthew and Emma, okay, they are married, obviously. Um, do you guys love each other? Yes. Okay, you love her very much. Okay, that sounded uns- unsure, Emma. Yes. <laughs> you put her on stage and all of a sudden she has no idea what she's sure of. Okay, so Emma, I'm going to have you stand right here. Okay. Ba- face that way. Okay, Matthew, you're going to stand right here. We're just going to do a simple trust fall. Okay. Right, do, you promise that, do you promise that you're going to catch her? You promise you're going to catch her because you love her. Okay, go ahead and give us a trust fall. You can do it. You better catch me. <laughs> I'm scared, okay. Great job, great job. Perfect, perfect. Okay, now, I'm not done yet. Emma, you come stand right here. Okay, face that way. Okay, Matthew, back up a little bit. Right there. All right, give us another trust fall. No. No? Why not? Do you love your wife? Do you promise that you would catch her? 
Okay. What's the problem? Because he's far away. Because he's far away. But you can see him. He's right there. Yes. So, so he's right here. You can see him. You can hear him. You hear his promise. He promises he's going to catch you. Is this a trick question? <laughs> it's not a trick question. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So how often are we in that exact same scenario? We're standing right here like Emma was, looking at God, seeing him. We know his promises. We know he loves us. But we can't fall backwards because there's no way his love can span this gap. There's no way that our God is big enough to come here. We saw it just now in the Old Testament. Anytime God wanted to show us his love, he had to send someone to come be present with us. Because we can't believe that he's big enough to span this gap without him right next to us. Emma had no problem falling when she knew Matthew was right here next to her. Because she knows Matthew loves her and is not going to let her fall. She seemed uncertain, but she knows. (laughs) But the second you add some space, even though I even changed the orientation to where she could even see him better, she's not going to fall. There's no way he can span that gap to catch her in time before she hits the ground. There's no way. And it's not because his love wasn't great enough. If he could, he would. And that's where this is an imperfect illustration because God can and he will. Okay? So it's not because God can't do something unless he's right next to us, but we will not think he can do it unless he's right next to us. We don't believe that he can do it until he's right here holding us and saying, I'm with you. I'm right here. God can span the chasm. He can appear anywhere he wants. But for our sake, he comes and is with us. And that's where we get this term, Emmanuel. God with us. This is where the Hesed love walks into completion. Not because it wasn't there the whole time. It was there the whole time, but it is now completed because we can now accept it. We now have the opportunity and the ability to say, you know what? I trust you, God. I trust you, Jesus. Let's do this. The Christophanies and messages were not enough. They could see him. They could hear his promises, but they could not feel his love. I mean, even though they could see him and believed his promises, it was only for like five years at a time, right? If you know anything about the Israelites, they'd believe him for about 10 years and then go to other gods or do this for about 100 years and then go to other gods. They wandered in the desert for it. And we do the same. We do the exact same. But God had a plan and he had this plan. It shall be called Emmanuel. It's in verse 23 of that passage in Matthew that we just read. Emmanuel means God with us. This is where that has said is completed. God made a covenantal relationship with Abraham about the whole human race. He made a true Hesed covenantal love that has life or death implications. He walked through the covenant alone saying, I don't hold up my end, it means my life. But if you don't hold up in your end, it also means my life. And that's what Jesus comes to do. Jesus is the presence of God. We can talk about the crucifixion. I talked about the veil, the the curtain that separated man from God. It tore when he was crucified. 
That allowed God to come into the world, and that's when people will say, like, oh, that's when God came to be with us. But that's not true. Jesus was born. He walked with us. He walked through all of life with us. He was tempted just like us. He experienced what it would be like to want to sin and never did. But his coming was the true beginning of God's presence with us. That is why he is called Emmanuel. It is God coming to be with us. The Holy Spirit gets released later, and it comes and lives in us, but Jesus walked with us. And we see that has said love mirrored here by Joseph. If you go back to the passage in Matthew 1, he hears from the angel and he believes the angel. He knew that he needed to be present with Mary in this moment. That even in his turmoil and even in what he was worried about, Mary had to be so much more scared. And what she needed was him to just be with her. Has said love, God with us. Joseph mirrors this. Instead of divorcing her, he listens to the angel and he says, you know what? You're right. I'm going to go be with Mary and wait until we get married to, or even after marriage, until you give birth to the Holy Son of God. We will wait, but I'm going to be with you every step of the way. Joseph shows that love. He shows that said love at the very end of this passage. God needed to be present with us, not for his sake, but our sake. So on the days that we're sitting here, staring across the stage, looking at him, and he feels so far away. When we're looking at him, and all we can think about is, is that loved one that died. Or we're looking at him and thinking about that baby he promised you. Or we're standing here looking at him and thinking, I'm not good enough for this. You're all the way over there, and you're so perfect, and you're so holy. And if I even walk into your presence, I will die. On those days, what we don't see when we're trying to find God is that God is standing right behind us, and he's ready to catch us already. He can be in both places at once. He is with us. And that is the true meaning of love. Even in our human understanding, if you think through the love languages we talked about just a few minutes ago, gifts. Technically, you can give a gift if you're not with someone. You could, like, ship it these days. But if you don't know them, if you haven't spent time with them, the gift's not going to be very good. Quality time. That one speaks for itself. I literally just need time with you. That's how I receive love. Touch. You definitely have to be with someone before you can touch them and make them feel loved. All of them require presence, the presence of something. He set aside his power and his throne, put on flesh to experience what we experience and know what we know, to stand close behind us and say, I love you. God's love is here. After the death of Jesus and resurrection, he took it even further where we are now and he lives within us. And we're talking about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, we got to see it in, in the candle reading. O come, O come, Emmanuel. You guys said it a million times. We, we've put that song with love because Emmanuel means God with us. It is a calling out to God of, O come, O come, God with us. Come be with us. And where we talked about the Old Testament, if you, we can put the lyrics up. 
O come, O come, Emmanuel, ransom captive Israel, who mourns in lonely exile here. That's when they were in exile in the wilderness. Till the Son of God appear. Next verse. Thou rod of Jesse, thine own from Satan's tyranny, from depths of hell thy people save. Give them victory over the grave. The next verse. Thou dayspring from on high, drawing nigh, disperse the gloomy clouds of night. All of these are kind of pictures. We saw the rod of Jesse. They're kind of pictures of the Old Testament. We're seeing little bits of God's love through every single verse of this. This song was originally written in Latin. No one knows the original writer, but the early Catholic church came and found it. They found this song in a random book of other songs, and they rewrote the lyrics to it. It used to be, uh, I think, called something else, but they changed it to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which actually mimics this thing they do in the Catholic church called the O Antiphons. Yeah, we've spanned Greek, Hebrew, and Latin. Stick with me, guys. The O Antiphons, okay? This is something they do right before Christmas every year, and they all start with O. I think we've got a slide with it, Todd. Yes, O Sapentia, O Adonai, O Radix, O Clavis David, O Oriens, O Rex Genetium, O Emmanuel. These are little verses, and they've got kind of a call and response. We actually did a form, you're welcome, um, for the Advent candle lighting. But what's so cool about this is that the way that they wrote it, if you notice, the first letters of each line spells out um, erocross, which is a Latin term, erocross. And what it means is, I will be here tomorrow, or I will be present tomorrow. And they do this leading up all the way to the day of Christmas. And the reason they do it is this response that we are here and we are calling for God to come. We are saying, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come be with us, God with us. But even in that crying, even in that that longing for God to be with us, for us to feel his love, what they are saying is, I will feel your love and I will be present with your love. God came all of this way. He spanned the chasm to come be with us. But when is the last time that you were with God? And I don't mean the the type where you're standing here reading your scripture or praying. All of those are really, really important. Don't get me wrong. Incredible, incredible uh, spiritual disciplines. But if you're anything like me, as soon as I get into the word, all I want to do is learn more. And I forget to just sit and be present with God. And that's what O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is actually about It is a beckoning of God to come down and be with us, show us his love, but it is also a stepping forward of us saying, I will be with you. Because you have already made all of the the sacrifice. You have put aside your throne to come and be with us, but I also want to be with you. And the only way, when you're standing here looking at this chasm thinking, I'm not good enough. Or God, why didn't you give me this thing? Or God, I can't feel your love. Are you even here? And God is present the whole time. The only way to feel his presence is to stand to the side and feel him. To be known by him. And to sit in that love for just a moment. When was the last time you were truly present with God? That's the real question. 
And as the band comes up, I, I do want to give a little bit of application. Again, I work with middle schoolers mainly, mostly. I need, like, concrete application. Hey, go do this thing. Because it's great to stay up here and talk about all this fun stuff that I love. But how do we apply it? What does that look like? So today, if you came in and you don't trust God and his love, if you see him across the stage and think the gap is far too big, perfect God could never love me. He doesn't know what I am or what I have. I'm telling you the gap isn't too big. He walked it already. He has walked with you. He has been on this earth. He has seen everything you've seen. He knows everything you are. And he wants to be with you. And if you have questions on how to let him be with you, please come and talk to me. Find someone to pray with. We'd love to talk to you about it. If you've trusted Jesus and know Emmanuel, maybe you feel him in intense moments and highs, but on other days specifically, this time of year, he feels far and distant. Ask yourself how you can be with him. How can you truly be present with Jesus in this season, in this moment? And the last one is Hased love is experienced. The covenantal relationship we have with God is experienced so that we can then mirror it. Think of at least three people that you need to show Hased love to. Like I said, it's not like the Greek forms of love. They're little bits of a pizza. And Hased love's not even the full pizza. Hased love's the pizza box. It encapsulates all other forms of love. It is the greatest form of love, and all of it is incorporated into hesed. All of it. That is love in its completeness. That is God's love completed, is when Jesus came and was born so that he could walk with us and save us from our sins. God, we thank you. We thank you for your hesed love. That Emmanuel has come, that you have chosen to be with us, to walk with us. We don't deserve it. We've never deserved any given us, and God, yet you give freely. God, this season I pray that you will just work in the hearts of your people. That it spans beyond this season, that has said love doesn't stop at Christmas but it starts here and echoes on throughout the entirety of the year, throughout the entirety of the next five years, 10 years. God, that people who have experienced your love will have no help but to share it. And God, for those who have not experienced your love, that it's not because it hasn't been there, but because they haven't been with you, that they haven't chosen to accept that love. God, I pray that you will work in their hearts and that they will accept that from you on the days where it's hard, on the days where it's sad, God, that you will be with us. Thank you for all that you are and all that you do. In your holy name we pray, amen.